I'm just so impressed by how the credit union community as a whole takes time to give back, whether it's directly or indirectly in their communities. Welcome to another episode of CU Lead, sponsored by NetGiver, the app that enables donors and nonprofits to give and receive on a no-fee basis. On this podcast, we feature credit union industry executives and the impacts they make to communities everywhere. I'm Glenn Frechette, and today I am joined by Mark Sievright. Mark is the CEO of Sievright and Associates. It's a pleasure to have you aboard. Glenn, great to see you again. Thanks for including me in this. Well, I love the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. You and I were talking about uh, my Boston life that I led yes. once upon a time. Uh, in fact, a miss of mine, Mark, is we were up in Worcester, Massachusetts uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we're fortunate to now have a partnership with the CCUA. And uh, I should have called you and invited you to our program. You know where it was? No. Do you know about the new ballpark in Worcester for the Wausau? Pawtucket, exactly right. Yes. The old Pawtucket Red Sox, right? Exactly. exactly. So have you seen that stadium? I have not seen it. I, I saw the old stadium several times. And in fact, funny story, Glenn, when Gary Furtado was the CEO at Navigant Credit Union in Rhode Island, they were sponsors, of course, together with Pawtucket Credit Union and uh, invited my oldest son to throw out the first pitch at a no. game. Yeah, so that was a great memory for me from that years ago. That is super ago. cool. Yeah. The area that it sits, uh, you can tell that it, once upon a time, it was a pretty depressed area mm. inside of Worcester, mm. far from the case at the moment. It is, it is being revitalized. That's what I've heard. And the centerpiece is that ballpark. People are really proud of it as they should be. It's Isn't a beautiful. It wonderful? I love that. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah, and we were, facing center field and it was a gorgeous february day if there is such a thing you you got lucky because oh, normally you visit in january february and you're going to be covered in snow that's right i know i know it was a risky trip but we made it you happen. did it well done so mark you are absolutely an industry executive people know who mark sievright is when they begin to talk about credit union nation thank you what i would love to hear from you is You've had lots of big organizations and people development has to have been important to you in those assignments as well as present day. Yes, very much so, Glenn. And I've been privileged to lead large teams for a large part of my career, especially my days at Fiserv, um, where you know I had over 2000 staff in the credit union solutions business. So yeah, very sensitive and aware of um, people management both challenges and, and hopefully how to do things well. I mean, I'm not perfect, Glenn, but I really aspire to a lot of the selfless leadership that people are talking about these days. To me, that's something I've been doing for 30 years. Mm. A selfless leader. Yeah. A servant leader. Servant leader. Yeah. Indeed. So would you say that there's a methodology to your madness in terms of people management and getting the very best out of people? Well, madness might resonate with a lot of people who've been on my teams, Glenn. They might associate me with that word. But yes, I think there is. I'm not sure there's a specific methodology, but what I've always practiced are principles around empowerment and making sure that people feel empowered to do their jobs. And that means that it's okay to make mistakes. Hmm. I mean, there are different categories of mistakes as we know, but 
it's okay for people to fail and learn from it and move on. I also mm -hmm. feel very strongly that officers do eat last. Mm -hmm. I, I had the privilege of working for a former Marine in my career, Glenn, and he taught me that saying. And he was applying it at a particular buffet lunch we were at, uh -huh. but you know, but, which is great. See right, get to the See back. See right, get to the back. But, <laughs> but I found that that advice from a gentleman called Mike Littell was something that was very important to me because he taught me that you really have to, to put your people first. They weren't there for you, you were there for them. And I thought that was a wonderful lesson. And I think the other thing was enablement, mm. making sure that your people, as much as you possibly can, have the tools and the skills and the expertise to do the jobs you're asking them to do. Yeah. To me, that's fundamental. And but it I think ought that, to be, yeah, but it isn't be. always. Right. Yeah. And final comment, Glenn, because I think it's so important. We hear a lot about emotional intelligence these mm. days and EQ levels and things like that. I, I think it's just about being really sensitive to the people that work on your teams. I, I've always been a big believer, as my dad was, uh, he was a factory foreman, so a little bit of a different industry to me and a different role to me. But I remember as a kid walking around his factory and how many people stopped to shake his hand mm. and to be nice to him. And as a, as a young boy, what I heard from those workers was that my dad always took the extra time to ask them how they were doing, how their families were doing. And invariably, he would know the names of partners and children. And this is a vivid memory oh, of yours. Oh, absolutely. And I tried, I'm not sure I've succeeded then, but my whole career, I've tried to emulate that philosophy. Here's what's occurring for me as I'm listening to you describe uh, the selfless servant leadership methodology or uh, way in which you, you manage people. Yeah. I feel like we get to this point in life, Mark, where we have a burden to give back to those that are budding, that are yes. coming up in this world in the same way we were given chances. Yes. Uh, and that th there's an institute known as the Halftime Institute. Are you familiar? Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, so uh, you're a sports guy? Yes. Okay, a gentleman by the name of Bob Buford is okay. the original author. He's deceased. Uh, he wrote a couple of different books as a part of the series. And his legacy is now this institute that people enroll in from all over the world oh, physically wow. to go to the institute. And it's all about the that. Time institute. Yeah, okay. it's all about leading your life with significance more so than being success oriented. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, I'll have to do some research. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy you. it. You're welcome. So in all your years, uh, either with Fiserv or otherwise, yeah you likely saw a fair amount of community engagement with nonprofit organizations. Any, any memories stand out for you in yeah. terms of who was supported or even your present role and right. what you're doing for communities? Well, it's a great question, Glenn. So I, uh, in the credit union system today, let's start with that. I'm, I'm just so impressed by how the credit union community as a whole takes time to give back, mm. whether it's directly or indirectly in their communities. And there are some wonderful programs too that you're very familiar with, whether it's Children's Miracle Network, CU for Kids, and things that literally thousands of credit unions are doing in their local communities every day to help. Yes. We've also got, you know, sort of CDFI chartered credit unions now who are helping underserved and underbanked markets in very material ways. 
And going back to that prior life of mine at Pfizer, I was proud to say that uh, at the Filene Research Institute, that I have a great deal of respect for, we were the inaugural sponsor of one of their centers of excellence and wrote quite a large check, Glenn, to be mm. a part of that. And it was well worth it because mm. that was our way of trying to give back to the credit union system. And now in my current life, um, where I do a lot of strategic planning work, I'm always mindful of credit unions' community engagement as part of their strategies. And now over the last really two years or so, I think, you know, frankly, ever since May 25th, 2020, when George Floyd was tragically killed, we have seen a huge movement towards DEI. Mm. It was almost an, 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 a pivotal event back in May of 2020 because a lot of credit unions were trying to do DEI and practice DEI and, and part of DEI is giving back to your communities mm. and helping them thrive. But we've seen a wave of activity since then, mm. which is something I feel really good about. So let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought up this very delicate and sensitive subject yeah. because it has to be discussed. Yeah. Uh, an incredibly unfortunate day when yes. uh, we'll all remember uh, George Floyd. Yes. That was almost exacerbated by the world's inability to cope with COVID. It feels to me, Mark, I don't, uh, I certainly won't pretend to, to know how you feel, but I'd, I'd love to know. It feels like credit unions are leaning in even more so with regard to corporate responsibility over the last three to five years. You've hit the nail on the head. They yeah. really are. I think, and I'm a little bit biased because of my love for credit unions, Glenn, but I've got to tell you, I've worked with credit unions for over 20 years mm. and they've always been good citizens of the world, but you hit the nail on the head. It's really been accelerated by events like COVID and like George Floyd and other events. And I see it now in practice. So mm. we're beyond talking about things like DEI mm. and we're actually enacting them, mm. which I think is very exciting and very appropriate yeah. for where we are in the world. So yes, you, you, you're spot on. You and I happen to be in the credit union business, but thank goodness, Mark, for-profit corporations are also stepping up very in that much. regard, social responsibility being paramount. Yes, very much so. And it's a key part of board governance, Glenn, you know, today at most good organizations, right? Be yeah. they large, small, public or private. Yeah. Fortunately, you're being shamed if you're not stepping that's up. exactly right. Uh, that, in this case, duress is okay. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Well said. The outcome is a, is a good one. Yes. Well, Mark, I want to end with something that I like to do for my guests. You know, oftentimes we talk about nonprofit organizations that are supported at the corporate level yes. or within your business that you own. Uh, but I'd like to take it down a notch, if you will, and get personal. Uh, and for you to be able to plug something that's near and dear to your family. Oh, thank you. And, and tell us why this particular yeah. nonprofit is near and dear to your family. Oh my gosh, I, I so appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you. And uh, for me, this, this began about five years ago. Um, my mom unfortunately passed away in November of last year. And five years ago, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm. And so I started looking into charitable organizations that were doing good. Mm -hmm. And I found one um, actually located in Massachusetts where I live called Cure Alzheimer's. That's Cure simple. Alzheimer's. Okay. And Cure Alzheimer's is all about finding research dollars to actually find a cure. Yeah. 
and curealz.org is is the shameless plug for their website. Nope, I wanted you to. Thank they, you. They've raised over 160 million dollars. Uh, I'm I'm proud to donate. Mm. And when we lost my mom, Glenn, it's something, you know, obviously, very very sad event has a palpable effect on you, right? Mm. But it made me more determined to try to do more for Alzheimer's research, and Great. so. So that's the one for me. Awesome. I'm glad you, you shared well, that. Well, thank you for asking. You know, question. each time I ask that question, it never ceases to amaze me. The diversity of nonprofit organizations, and let's face yes. it, there are over 1.5 million of them in the U.S. Is that right? That's the number. That's the number. In fact, it's even more than that, Mark, because not every one of them is required wow. to file with the IRS. Wow. Um, so I'm giving you the IRS number. Uh, but there are plenty of churches that do not file, and yet they're nonprofit organizations. Yes. But what never ceases to amaze me is that, you know, people are unbelievably passionate yes. about something, and I, I love to extract that. Oh, that's great! And by the way, congratulations on all the success you're having. I, you. I'm privileged to have the Cooperative Credit Union Association as a, as a client run by a dear friend, Ron McLean of mine, yes. and uh, also Melissa Pomeroy. And I was privy to some of the exciting news that you announced with CCUA last year. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a great partnership. Thank you. And I know that's just one sliver of what you do, but as a local sort of New Englander, no, uh, I, it, I, it means a lot. They're an awesome partner. They're great and we people. can't say enough great things about them. So I'm glad you did too. Thank you, sir. Well, Mark, I know you're a busy pro and there are other people at GAC that want your time. <laughs> I'm not the only one that wants your time. I'm pri privileged in that respect. Isn't Glenn. that cool? It's great. Thank well, you. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise. Enjoy the next Thanks couple of days. Me.